Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1947-1948 season. This is a bizarre episode. The skit is Nightmare Alley, which is a twisted take on Alan's Alley. Of course, right now, uh, Fred, in this point in time, in 1947-48 season, Fred Allen's show was by far the most popular show in all of radio. And this is the very first time that it ever happened, and it will be the only time it'll ever happen. Uh, all the other years, Jack's show was always the most popular of the two as they were feuding. But this year, Fred Allen's show just really caught fire, and uh, the Allen's Alley skit that he'd been working on it was really perfected and just, it was the number one talked about skit in all of radio. So of course Jack had to take it on, especially since Dennis does so many of the voices pitch perfect of the uh, all the characters that are in Alan's Alley. So I don't see, I'm surprised they didn't do more of this. But uh, anyway, this is one of the most bizarre takes on Alan's Alley. Um, Jack gets a chance to do Fred. Uh, Mary gets a chance to be Xena, Warrior Princess. Uh, okay, it's not... Xena Warrior Princess necessarily, but it is Xena, so, but it's just, it's going to be a fun, bizarre episode, so enjoy, and uh, we will see you next time for some more Jack Benny. Oh, um, one thing I've been wanting to mention for a while, and I keep on forgetting, is that the 1952-53 season and the 47-48 season, uh, I, I've never done these seasons before. So, one, I'm hearing some episodes I've never heard before, which is fun. Two, you always get a fresh new podcast from me on these episodes. The 1943 um, episodes and the 1938 episodes, some of them I've already done uh, podcasts for in the past. And so I may, if I think I covered things pretty well, I'll just use that podcast. If I want to redo it, then I'll add... Usually I'll do have both podcasts because people like to hear both the intros if I do two intros. But here's a, a way that I'll be able to you'll be able to tell them apart. When I um, do an old intro, some of the information I share might be wrong, like what shows are on or something. If I'm saying, "Oh, tune in Wednesdays for Bob Hope," and you're going, "He doesn't do Bob Hope on Wednesdays," it's because I did years ago, but I don't now. Anyway. Um, at the, the title of the show, instead of just saying Jack Benny Podcast, it'll say Jack Benny Classic Podcast. And when you see the word classic in the title, it means that a podcast I did a few years ago that I'm playing again. Uh, that way you can kind of uh, ignore some of the stuff I'm saying because it won't be accurate. But anyway, so I just thought I would explain that. I've done that a couple times lately. No one's asked, but that was the deal. Uh, whenever it says classic, it's an old podcast. So... Anyway, enjoy tonight's podcast. Um, it should be a lot of fun, and we will see you uh, next week for some more Jack Benny from the 1947-48 season. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Front page news. In the nation's great tobacco markets, the famous Crossley Poll has just finished asking independent tobacco experts... What cigarette do you smoke? Over 50% more named Lucky Strike than any other brand. Yes, the impartial Crossley Poll shows... By a 50% margin over any other brand, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike, first choice. These experts are the independent tobacco buyers, auctioneers, and warehousemen. 
the men who see who buys what tobacco at the auctions. And when independent tobacco experts like these name Lucky Strike first choice for personal smoking enjoyment, then you know. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke the smoke tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike. Remember, by a 50% margin over any other brand, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's go out to Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills. It's Sunday morning, and Jack is still in bed. Well, it's 10 o'clock. I guess I better go in and wake up the boss. He's got to get down to the studio and rehearse. Mr. Benny, it's 10 o'clock. Doggone it, just look at him. Sleeping like a little baby. I guess I better take his thumb out of his mouth. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Benny, it's 10 o'clock. Darcy, sure a hard man to wake up. Well, maybe this will do it. Oh, come on now, boss, this is getting monotonous. Open up those baby blue eyes of yours. Maybe this will work. Well, there's only one thing left to do. I'll have to go back to the old standby. Here goes. Uh, who? What? Uh, where? Uh, who? How? What? Uh, oh, 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 it's you, Rochester. Thanks for waking me up. Uh, turn on the light. The lights are on. Get your head out of the cash register. <laughs> oh, I can't. Uh, push the no sale button. Thanks. <laughs> Good morning, boss. How'd you sleep? Oh, pretty good. Only I was awfully cold last night. You're cold every night. Maybe you haven't got enough blood. Rochester, I'm not anemic. Now lay out my clothes and get me a clean shirt. I don't want to be late for rehearsal. Yes. <laughs> not anemic. I wonder what he'd say if he found out that every morning I sneaked into the bathroom and put ketchup on his razor to keep up his morale. <laughs> Let's see, the shirt should be in this drawer. Woolen socks, handkerchiefs, sweaters. Uh-oh, what's this? A bottle of ketchup. Mmm. Rochester, how about my shirt? Coming, boss. Here it is. Thanks. Say, boss, while I was getting the shirt out of the drawer, I noticed a bottle of ketchup. Oh, you did, eh? Yeah, where'd you get it? Rochester, uh, come here a minute. Huh? I got a little surprise for you. Surprise? Yeah, you keep putting it on and I keep scraping it off, but I'm not wasting it just to please my vanity. <laughs> Boss, you mean you knew it was ketchup? Well, yes, but I will admit that in the beginning it fooled me. It did? Yeah, the first time I saw it on my razor, I took a sample down to the blood bank. They analyzed it and said, Mr. Benny, some people have girls, some people have boys, but you're going to have a tomato. <laughs> Now, I want more... 
You answer the door, Rochester. I want to finish dressing. Yes, sir. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful dawn. Now that it started in raining, I won't have to sprinkle the lawn. <laughs> yeah, it's about time. Coming, coming. Hello, Rochester. Oh, good morning, Miss Livingston. <laughs> Say, Rochester, now that we've had rain, why don't you take down that sign that Mr. Benny has in front of the house? Which one? The one that says, water inside, 25 cents a glass. <laughs> no use taking it down, I'll just change water to lemonade. <laughs> Who is it, Rochester? It's Miss Livingston. Oh, well, you can come in my room, Mary, I'm dressed. Hello, Jack, you better hurry, we'll be late for rehearsal. Why, we've got... Oh, my goodness, look what time it is. I never realized it was this late. You still have to shave. I know, I know. It won't take long. I'll take off my tie. I'll get the razor. I'll get the ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we haven't time for that now. You go get the car, Rochester. I'll be down in a minute. Uh, try, try the motor again, Rochester. Yes, Try it again, Rochester. <laughs> Only this time, step on the throttle, advance the spark, pull out the choke, and hold down the clutch. Keep talking, boss. So far, you haven't named one thing we've got. <laughs> all right, all right. Try the motor again. Yes. There we are. I knew we wouldn't have any trouble. The motor was cold, that's all. You know, it's been quite chilly here lately. If you think it's cold here in California, let me read this letter I got from Mama. Oh, a letter from your mother, eh? Well, what does the wild Irish rose of Plainfield <laughs> have to say? <laughs> well, just a second. I have it right here. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> My darling daughter, Mary. Wow. This is the first chance I've had to write you since the recent blizzard here in Plainfield. In some places, the snow was so deep, many people got lost. Gee. Your, si your sister, Babe, went out during the worst part of the storm and rescued three men. It was sure smart of Babe putting that keg of brandy around her neck. I heard it would look good. Imagine finding three frozen men. Go on, Mary. She's thawing out the cute one and putting the other two in the deep freeze. What? So much for Babe. Good. But it's been so cold, your Uncle Harry has been sitting in the living room all week with his feet in the fireplace. Mm. I wish I could break him of the habit, as he's getting shorter every day. <laughs> That's silly. What else is new? Mary, you have no idea how much inconvenience the blizzard caused. People got stranded in offices, stores, and factories. And your father was stuck in a burlesque show for ten days. Mm. <laughs> we finally got him home, and he's all right now. Except I wish he'd stop applauding every time I take off my apron. <laughs> no! <laughs> I don't mind that so much, but now he's building a runway in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, Mary, your mother's too old to go back to that. <laughs> 
No other news. We'll close for now. Your loving mother, naughty Angeline Livingston. Mary, the next time you write your mother, tell... Rochester, right here we are at the studio. Yes, sir. Yeah, I wish there was some place to park along the street. Oh, for heaven's sake, Jack, why don't you put it in a parking lot? Yeah, I guess we'll have to. All right, Rochester, drive in here. Oh, boy, a real parking lot. Wait till I tell the boys in the lodge about this. <laughs> Never mind, just go in. Now, Rochester, you go over and pay the attendant. Miss Livingston and I are going into the studio. Yes, sir. Say, Jack, look at that beautiful car driving in. Gee, what a car. A chauffeur in uniform and everything. Must be the president of the network. Here we are, sir. NBC. Thank you, James. <laughs> Mary. Mary, it's Dennis. Let's watch this. I'll get your things out of the car, sir. That's the coat. Thank you. Your hat. Thank you. Your popsicle. <laughs> Thanks. James, you've been licking it. Hey, Dennis! Dennis! Huh? Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, Mary. Dennis, I've never seen such a beautiful car. Where'd you get it? Oh, my mother gave it to me for my birthday. An expensive car like that for a birthday present? Your mother must be rich. No, she's Honest John. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, it's sweet of your mother to give you such a nice car, but how come you've got a chauffeur, Dennis? Well, I was talking to the man who prepares my income tax, and he told me I ought to get some more deductible items. Oh, oh, is your chauffeur deductible? Yeah, James deductible. <laughs> Jack, we better get the studio. We'd be late. Yeah, his vacation didn't do him any good at all. Come on, Dennis, let's go. <laughs> Say, aren't you Jack Benny's chauffeur? I sure am. Are you Dennis Day's chauffeur? Yes. Say, tell me, how many radio programs has Mr. Benny got? One. Ha! <laughs> Rochester, I'll be out in an hour. Come on, kids, we better get to the studio and rehearse. All right, all right, all right, boys, now look, we'll run over that number once more. Let's go over just... Hold it, Phil, hold it, I'm here. Okay, fellas, take five. Now, Phil, uh, let's get started with... The... Holy smoke, Jackson, how long you been out of bed? For about an hour, why? Well, morning may become Electra, but it ain't done nothing for you. <laughs> oh, Harris, through your lips past the most beautiful jokes in the world. <laughs> Look, Phil, I have a very important sketch to rehearse, so would you mind cooperating? Okay, okay, I'd like to get home early today anyway. Today is my wedding anniversary. Alice and I have been married seven years. Well, congratulations, Phil. Yes, sir. Gee, seven of the happiest, most wonderful years that ever happened to anyone. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Phil. A lot of people don't realize how lucky they are. Yeah. Thank goodness Alice does. <laughs> oh, fine. Say, Phil, what are you giving Alice for an anniversary present? This golden locket? Here. Look how it opens. And look what's engraved inside. Gee, a poem. Yeah, I... I wrote that poem myself. Oh, let me, let me read it, Phil. Okay, go ahead. To Alice. To the fairest of the fair, to the one and only queen, to the cutest little ham hock from her loving turnip green. 
Why, Phil. Phil Z. Harris. Oh, gee. I guess I'm just a sentimental old slush. <laughs> no, no, Phil, you're cute. But now look, kids, we got our sketch to rehearse. <laughs> There's something else. They scratched it out here, huh? <laughs> we got a... Rehearse, and I want it to be good, so let's get at it right away. Well, can I run over my song first, Mr. Benny? Sure, sure, go ahead. We'll rehearse later. much time, so let's rehearse our play, our sketch. We're going to do our version of Tyrone Powers' 20th Century Fox picture, Nightmare Alley. The story is about a carnival. So, Mary, you're going to be Xena, the snake charmer. Phil, you'll be the fire eater. And Dennis, you're going to be the two-headed man. All right, Don, set the scene. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, our version of Nightmare Alley, that weird, foreboding story of life in a carnival. Our scene opens in front of a sideshow on the crowded midway. Henry, 
hurry, 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 right this way. Step up to the platform and for the price of 25 cents, you'll not only see the tattooed lady, the two-headed man, and the fire eater, but the one and only geek in captivity. Ah! <laughs> yes, folks. That scream you just heard was the geek. That wild, inhuman fiend is dangerous. Ah! <laughs> he is a beast. Ah! He is a monster. He is a monster. Ah! Watch it, Elliot. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, step right up, folks. Step right up and get your tickets. So hurry, hurry, hurry. Oh, Zena, Zena. What is it, Tyrone? <laughs> I want to talk to you. Well, let's talk later. I got to get out on the platform and do my snake dance. That's what I want to talk to you about. I wish you'd keep your snakes out of my dressing room. Why? This morning, I thought I put on a necktie, sat down to breakfast, and it ate more than I did. <laughs> You don't think my snakes make a good tie? Take it off. I can't. He swallowed a whole egg. Now I can't get him back through the loop. <laughs> now, Zena, I want to talk to you about that mind-reading act we've been practicing for a long time. With those clever signals we've worked out, we can't miss. Now, let's get out of that platform and break the act in today. Okay, Tyrone, lead the way. All right, folks, gather around the platform while my assistant, Zena, passes amongst you. I will tell each and every one of you anything that's on your mind, and I will do this blindfolded. Are you ready, Tyrone? Ready. I am pointing to a person. What is this person's name? That person's name is William. My name is Esther. Thank you, Esther William. <laughs> and now for the next question. I have a man here. Now tell me what this man has got on his wrist. He's not in the balcony, eh? Take it again. <laughs> now tell me what this man's got on his wrist. Wrist? Turn around so you can't watch. I've got it. Good. Now what has this man got on his wrist? A war. <laughs> Correct, and it's under his wristwatch. And now, folks. If you will step up. Uh-oh, the boss. We better get back to our regular act. All right, ladies and gentlemen, step up close to the platform and see Zena, the snake charmer. She will do her famous snake dance. Hey, you four fellas in the front. You four guys. Have you got your tickets? Good. Then step up close and watch Zena do her famous dance. Okay, Zena, let it go. Look at her, boys, with every little shape. She drops another snake. L-S-M-F-T, lucky strikes the smoke for me. We will tell you something confidential. Quality of product is essential to success. To continuing success. Boy, now look at you're not supposed to dance. Only the girl dances. Fellas, you're not supposed to dance. Only the girl. 
SMFT Just watch the show, that's all Every man who knows will raise his voice And tell you lucky strike is his first choice So don't be late Buy those luckies right away Packing up and leaving the carnival. Leaving the carnival? Tyrone! 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 Why don't you answer me? I love that name. <laughs> but Tyrone, you can't leave the carnival. It's in your ketchup. I mean your blood. In my blood? I don't even know why I joined the carnival. That geek is driving me nuts. I'm tired of living with those other freaks in Nightmare Alley. But Tyrone, they all joined the carnival for some reason. Yeah. Say, maybe if I found out why they joined, I wouldn't be so mixed up. It might help me solve my problem. You mean... Yes, Portland. <laughs> it's time to go down to Nightmare Alley. <laughs> and what is your question? <laughs> the question for tonight is, why did you join the carnival? Shall we go? As President Truman said to Mrs. Truman, we might as well walk. We've got no porch to sit on. Ah, <laughs> oh, Portman, it's good to be back in Nightmare Alley. Well, I see the fire eater is home. He must have just finished his dinner. The garbage pail is full of ashes. I'll see. Somebody, I say somebody's whopping my panel with a hot knuckle. You're the fire eater, aren't you? I beg your pardon? Uh, I said you're the fire eater, aren't you? Watson's the name. Come right on in and join me. I'm just having a cup of lighter fluid. Thanks, tell me, how long have you been a fire eater? Practically all my life, son. When I was six weeks old, I burped and set my crib on fire. I see. And son, being a fire eater affected my way of living. My favorite cartoon is Ella Cinders. My favorite movie is Forever Ember. And your favorite radio comedian? Jack Benny. Benny? He burns me up. <laughs> That's a joke, son. I know, Mr. Robson. Well, laugh it up. Don't just stand there flicking my flint. <laughs> Look, Mr. Fire Eater, I want to ask you a question. Why did you join the carnival? Well, a long time ago, son, I was in love with a girl. Uh-huh. She left me and joined a carnival, and I didn't see her for several years. I see. So you decided to join a carnival, too. Yes, sir. I wanted to be near my old flame. So long. So long. So long. So long. So long, that is. life of a fire eater. Kind of a corny guy, but he does as best as he can. <laughs> well, here's the next house. I guess the two-headed man is in. He's looking out the door and the window at the same time. Well, how do you do? How do you do? Well, you're the man 
wear two hats, eh? That I am, me boy, that I am. But today we're not speaking. What are you mad about? What am I mad about? Me boy, we had watermelon for lunch and it happened again. What happened again? He ate the watermelon and I had to spit out the seeds. <laughs> oh. Not only that, but his dandruff keeps falling on my shoulder. Well, do you mind if I talk to your other head? You can try if you want to, but he's been moody all day. Well, I'll try. Hello? Howdy, Bob. <laughs> Mr. Moody, would you mind answering a few questions? I don't mind, providing John will keep quiet. Oh, is that his name, John? Yep, I'm John's other head. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, that's pretty good. You can send me out in the rain, Bob. I'm a slicker. That's a fine sense of humor. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm warning you, John, stay out of this or I'll knock your block off. Oh, so you're going to knock me block off? That's what I said. I'll keep your nose out of me. Wait eyes. a minute, wait a minute. You don't argue like that. After all, have two you have to eat together, sleep together, and live together. Not after tomorrow morning. What? When I shave, it'll be push, pull, click, click, and I'll be all alone. <laughs> well, look, I only came in here to ask you a question. Why did you join the carnival? Well, I'll tell you, John. With the price of what they are today, we had to work where we could make the most money. The most money? Why? We've got two mouths to feed. Good day to you. Good day. Good day. House, I wonder who lives here. Well, who are you? <laughs> I'm the fat lady. <laughs> oh, yes, I've never seen you in New York. How did you get out here to the coast? Oh, I came here on the TWA bus. Wait a minute, the TWA is an airplane. It flies. Not when I'm on it. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Well, for a fat lady, you sure are cute. <laughs> Lovely and gay, she's a whale. Now, tell me, why did you join the carnival? I didn't. They joined me. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. Well... One more house for Nightmare Alley. I wonder who lives here. Ah! And it's the geek. Well, I might as well ask him to. Pardon me, are you the geek? Uh, yeah, I'm the geek. I'm the most inhuman, ferocious monster in captivity. Well, tell me, geek, where were you captured? In Bullock's basement. In Bullock's basement? What were you doing down there? I was buying Chanel number five. I stink. Oh, I see. Well, tell me, geek, why did you join the carnival? I told you, I was captured. Well, are you doing all right with the carnival? Yeah, they give me $10 a week and all the people I can eat. You? You eat people? Yeah. Won't you come in? Of course not, but you're kidding. You don't really eat people. Sure I do. There's a girl in Plainfield gonna send me two out of her deep freeze. <laughs> what? Uh, goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye. Well, that ends Nightmare Alley. Come on, Zena. It's time for By a 50% margin over any other brand, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice. Back of that statement is an impartial Crosley poll just completed in 11 southern tobacco states. This famous authentic research group reveals that when independent tobacco experts choose a cigarette for their own personal smoking enjoyment, over 50% more named Lucky Strike 
than any other brand. Yes, the impartial Crosley poll shows... By a 50% margin over any other brand, independent tobacco experts named Lucky Strike first choice. These are the tobacco experts, the independent buyers, auctioneers, and warehousemen who buy, sell, and handle tobacco at the auction. You've heard the poll results. Now listen to what Mr. Charles Saunders, tobacco buyer of Reedsville, North Carolina, said recently. Season after season, I've seen ripe, mild tobacco sold to the makers of Lucky Strike. Tobacco that's really fine. So for a grand smoke, I picked Lucky's. Smoked them for 21 years. So for your own real, deep-down smoking enjoyment, remember... L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobaccos. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. So smoke the smoke, tobacco expert smoke. Remember... By a 50% margin over any other brand, independent tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice. Good night, everybody. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. a pretty girl is like a melody, especially when her hair is soft and shining, like that of Miss Dolores Petto, college student from West Hartford, Connecticut. After using Fitch Cream Shampoo, Dolores wrote, My hair was the kind that never rated a second look. That was before I tried Fitch Cream Shampoo. Since I've been using Fitch, my hair is delightfully soft and gleams with highlights. Whether I wash my hair at home or go to a beauty shop, Fitch Cream Shampoo is the only shampoo for me. Right, Dolores, Fitch is the only shampoo for you and countless other girls who have discovered how this shampoo leaves hair caressably soft, shining as though it had been brushed and brushed and brushed. So try Fitch Cream Shampoo. You'll discover that glamorous new look of softer, shinier hair. Fitch is made with two special beauty aids, lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin is used to soften the hair. Olive oil is used to bring out sparkling highlights. Fitch is economical, too. Compare the size of the jar. Compare its low cost. At drug or toilet goods counters, buy Fitch Cream Shampoo for softer, shinier hair. The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Bandwagon with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Gloria Blondell, Lynn Whitney, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. <laughs> Last week, Alice's brother, William, came to live with the Harrises while he was looking for a new apartment. Yesterday, he found one, much to Phil's relief. And now, as we look into the Harris home, we find William thanking Alice for putting him up. Alice, I want you to know how I appreciate your hospitality. Oh, don't mention it, William. Phil and I were happy to have you. Phil said what... Oh, 
Here he is now. Hello, Phil. Hiya, beautiful. Come here, you blonde bundle of dynamite, and tell me how much Good you Good morning, Philip. <laughs> Get your head out of the way, Willie. I'm trying to kiss my wife. What are you doing here anyway? I thought you found a new apartment. Oh, I did. In fact, I'm on my way over there now. Mm -hmm. Well, Alice, thank, thank you for your dinner invitation, dear. I'll be over at seven. Au revoir, Philip. Au revoir. I didn't even say goodbye. <laughs> there goes an exciting personality. He has all the appeal of a cold codfish ball. That brother of yours. Alice, why did you have to ask him over for dinner? We got rid of him. He's such a dull character. Oh, William isn't dull, Phil. You just don't understand him. Basically, he's a regular guy, but he just doesn't know how to express himself. On the surface, he's dignified and aloof, but... He's different underneath. Yeah, underneath he's a seething mass of nothing. <laughs> now, Phil, you're too impatient with William. You could help him if you tried. I could help him. How? Well, when he comes over for dinner tonight, I want you to try to get him out of his shell. All right, give me a lobster fork and I'll get the work on him. <laughs> or maybe I can steam him open like a clam. I'll oh, try anything. Be serious, Phil. He really needs someone to draw him out. Perhaps if he met the right girl, it might change his whole outlook. Yeah, you might have something there, but where can you find a girl who'd want to go out with him steady? Do you know anyone? No, all my girlfriends are married. Maybe you know some nice-looking girl, Phil. Yeah, I could call... Oh, no, you don't. You ain't gonna... <laughs> I got my foot out of that just in time, didn't I? <laughs> no, sir. You know I haven't seen any other girl since the day we got married. Oh, I know that, Phil. For the last seven years, I've been running with blinkers on. <laughs> oh, stop complaining. Every horse should win a purse like you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but look. Honey, I'll agree with you. I could help Willie get a date if I... Well, if I... If I still had that little black book I used to have before we were married, if you hadn't have been so jealous and taken it away from me, I could... Oh, I wasn't jealous. I said I'd keep it for you forever, and I did. Well, good. Where's the book? The ashes are in that urn on the mantel. <laughs> but look, Phil, if William had a date, I think Mama's it would... Mama's bring your groceries and... Oh, hello, soulmate. Hello, Julius. Hiya, kid. Gee, you look entrancing today. You look prettier every time I see you. How do you do it? I take care of myself. <laughs> now run along, Junior, will you? Beat it. Hey, Alice, I don't know where we can find a girl to go out with Willie. Oh, you want a girl to go out with your brother-in-law? Uh, yeah. Do you know of anyone, kid? Sure. How about my old maid aunt? She'll go out with anybody. <laughs> yeah, for years the family's been trying to palm her off on some unsuspecting yeah. <laughs> Now, just a minute. That's not the kind of girl I want for my brother. Oh, she ain't bad looking, Miss Faye. What does she look like? Well, she looks like me, only I'm prettier. <laughs> You're prettier than she is? Yeah, but she's more distinguished looking. She's got a mustache. <laughs> well, tell her to wax it and we'll have Willie take her out formal. <laughs> she and your brother would make a good couple, Miss Faye. You know, she's looking for a husband. Oh, she's anxious to get married? Is she anxious? 
She dreams of orange blossoms so much she sleeps with a smudge pot at the foot of her bed. <laughs> Julius, but I don't think William would like her. Well, how can you tell without seeing her? I tell you what, I'll bring her around tomorrow morning and you can look for yourself. You mean they let her out in broad daylight? <laughs> Only when there's a low fog. <laughs> well, I gotta be getting back to the market. So long. So long, kid. She must be a strange-looking woman. Yeah, but you can't tell. Maybe Willie would like that type. Oh, stop it, Phil. This is important. Well, wait a minute. How about little Alice's teacher, Miss Miller? Well, uh, is she pretty? No, she's not pretty, but she's the right type. She's just like William. That's a nasty thing to say about a member of your own sex. <laughs> Look, Phil, I have an idea. You go over to the school and invite Miss Miller over here for dinner this evening, and I'll... Now, wait a minute, Alice, wait a minute. I ain't going over to no school. I wouldn't know how to act or what to say. I haven't talked to a school teacher since I was in... Since I... Come to think of it, I never talked to a school teacher. Well, it'll give William a chance to get acquainted with her. Please do it for me. Won't you, Phil? All right. When you look at me like that, how can I refuse? I gotta go upstairs and change my clothes. Now, what do you wear when you go to school? What do kids wear? No, I'd feel awful silly in Bobby socks and a sloppy Joe sweater. <laughs> I bet I look cute, though. <laughs> I don't know. Why do I have to bother getting Willie a date? Gee whiz, you'd think it's somebody. I hope William really likes Miss Miller. Wouldn't it be wonderful if he fell for her the way I fell for Phil the first time I met him? I just looked at him and something inside of me seemed to say You were meant for me I was meant for you Nature patterned you and when she was done You were all the sweet things rolled up in one You're like a plaintive melody that never lets me free For I'm content The angels must have sent you And they meant you just for me When she was done You were all the sweet things Rolled up in one You're like a plaintive melody That never lets me free For I'm content The angels must have sent you And they meant you Just for me Well, Alice, I'm all set to go over and see Miss Miller. Now, Phil, when you talk to her, 
Remember, she's a school teacher, so watch your grammar. There ain't nothing wrong with my grammar. <laughs> when I want to lay it on, sister, I can really make with that King's English jive. <laughs> I'll set it in there pretty good. Don't worry, I'll talk to her all right. Now, look, don't talk to her too long. Or you'll set education back 50 years. <laughs> Stop worrying, honey. I'll handle it. I'll see you later. Don't know why I have to go over to school anyway. Why can't Willie make his own dates? You'd think that at his age... Hiya, he'd... Curly. Oh, hiya, Frankie. Where you going? <laughs> going to school. <laughs> oh. Can I carry your books? <laughs> Look, cut the comedy, will you? I'm going over to school to see if I can get Willie a date with a teacher. Oh, playing Cupid for Willie, huh? Look, Curly, why get him a school teacher? I know a lot of dames and they're very charming creatures. That's the trouble, they're creatures yeah. I'm looking for a girl Come on, Frankie, as long as you're here, you can drive me over to school, come on Curly, I still don't see why you had to come to school to get a date I could have gotten Will you... Will you please one... be quiet, Frankie? Now, Alice wants Miss Miller, and that's that and look, Frankie, watch how you act here. I went to school, you know. I know how to act. <laughs> Funny looking school. Something missing. No bars on the windows. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't the kind of school you went to. I wonder where we can find Miss Miller. I don't know. Let's go over to the warden's office and find out. <laughs> Look, lay off, will you? Now, keep quiet a minute I'll ask this lady over here <clears throat> uh, Pardon me, madam Where can I find Miss Miller? I'm Miss Miller What can I do for you, sir? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm little Alice's father Oh, you're the one <laughs> Yeah, you see, uh, I'm the one I'm the one that signs her report cards every month How do you do, Mr. X? <laughs> All right, all right. Stop knocking yourself out, Remley. <laughs> oh, uh, pardon us. I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Miller. I want you to meet my friend, Frankie Remley. How do you do, Mr. Remley? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> nice little primary school you have here. Do you use the progressive or the outmoded departmental systems of learning? Oh, are you familiar with the various educational systems? Natch. <laughs> Education's right up my alley I beg your pardon He said he got his education up an alley <laughs> Your little card Why don't you stop trying to impress the teacher? I'm not trying to impress her I'm just telling the truth Being a college man I naturally know these things Yeah. Oh, you're a college man, Mr. Emley Ain't it obvious? <laughs> I don't like to brag, but I just got my master's degree Oh, really? On what did you write your thesis? My what's this? <laughs> you heard the lady, go ahead, tell her about your thesis Oh, thesis? Yeah Uh, I wrote a very interesting paper You must have read it, it's titled How to make a three-cushion billiard shot with an unchalked cue 
A thesis on billiards? Sir, tell him what? I always pick unusual subjects. You should have seen the one that won me my PhD. PhD? Doctor of Philosophy? No, PhD Pimlico, High and Delmar. <laughs> You two are wasting my time with your nonsense. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go back to my classroom. But Miss, uh, Good but, day. But, Miss Miller, I was going to ask you... Oh, Frankie, now you did it again. Now I'll never get her a date with Willie. What... Why are you so anxious to get Willie a date, anyway? Wait a minute, will you? Listen to me a minute. Can't you see? What? Well, if she meets the right girl, or if he meets the right girl, maybe you'll get married and I'll get him out of my hair. He won't be hanging around the house all the time. Oh, you want him to get married, huh? That's what you want. I know just the kind of girl he'll fall for. I got several of them. I'll look at my little black book. You got a little black book? <laughs> yeah. Frankie, a word of warning. If you ever get married, have it fireproof. Would Willie prefer a redhead, a blonde, or a brunette? Blonde, brunette, so what's the difference? Just pick out one that's dignified and has a good family background. Please, these girls are all dignified, and they all come from good families. Let's see now. <laughs> I could get him boo-boo Latour. <laughs> now, she can't make it for dinner. She has to be on the runway at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Maybe I better get him Minnie the Muscle. <laughs> now, nah, she's in Ecuador working as a sand hog. <laughs> you sure know a nice group of women, and I use the word loosely. <laughs> Wait a minute, Curly. I got just a girl. She's a very charming person. She's a college girl. College girl? Yeah. Hey. Hey, that sounds good for Willie, huh? Well, tell me, what kind of a girl is she? I mean, uh, what's she like? I don't know too much about her. She refuses to go out with me. <laughs> That's the best recommendation yet. Now, do you think you can get her to come over to the house tonight? Oh, I'm positive. I'll go and arrange it now, and I'll be at your house with her at 7. Okay, Frankie, and I'll go home now and tell Alice. Now, wait a minute. Are you sure this girl went to college? Sure, I'm sure. You can stop worrying. She's a very intelligent girl. I'll see you later. Okay. Gee whiz. Won't it be wonderful if this girl is all Frankie says she is, and I can marry Willie off to her? Gee whiz, if he marries her, I'll give him a nice wedding present, a one-way ticket to the Belgian Congo. <laughs> That'd be a good place for him. He'd fit in there just like a glove. Each morning, a missionary advertised with neon signs. He tell the native population that civilization is fine. And three educated savages holler from a bamboo tree. That civilization is the thing for me to see. But bunga bunga bunga, I don't want to leave the Congo. No 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 no. Bingo bangle bungle, I'm so happy in the jungle, I refuse to go. Don't want no bright lights, false teeth, doorbells, landlords. He makes it clear that no matter how they coach me, I'll stay right here. I look through a magazine, the missionary's wife can see. I see how people who are civilized bang you with automobiles. At the movies, they have got to pay many coconuts to see. 
uncivilized pictures that the newsreel takes of me. So bunga bunga bunga, I don't want to leave the Congo. No 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 no. Bingo bango bungle, I'm so happy in the jungle, I refuse to go. Don't want no jailhouse shotgun, fish hooks, golf clubs, penthouse, bathtub, streetcars, taxis, noise in my ear. So no matter how they coax me, I'll stay right here. They have things like the atom bomb, so I think I'll stay where I am. Civilization, I'll stay right here. I'm sorry Miss Miller couldn't come for dinner. Phil, are you sure this girl Frankie's bringing over is the right type? Oh, sure, honey. She's a very intelligent college girl. You'll see for yourself. She'll be here soon. I wish you hadn't done this, Philip. I'm not in the least bit interested. What does she look like? (laughs) Oh, gee whiz, Willie, you're gonna love her. According to Frankie, she has beautiful red hair. How's the figure? Well, it's the kind of hair that shimmers in the moonlight like burnished gold. Yes, but what about a figure? Her hair hangs down over her shoulders in billowy waves. It's sort of Never like... Never mind the roof. How's the foundation? <laughs> For a guy that ain't interested, he sure knows what part of the blueprint to look at. <laughs> now, look, Willie, if you insist on knowing about her figure, I'll describe it to her. Now, stand up here close. She has a very slender, willowy figure with a swan-like neck that rests on soft white shoulders, which in the moonlight... Hold it, Buster, hold it! (laughs) Keep holding it! (laughs) You never saw this girl before. How can you go ahead and... Well, I just... uh Uh-oh. That must be Frankie and the girl now. Now, get ready, everybody. I'll let them in. Hello, Frankie. Hiya, Curly. Well, I brought her. Here she is. Well. (laughs) Well. Yeah, ain't she? (laughs) Audrey, I want you to meet Curly. How do you do? Well. (laughs) Well. Yeah, ain't I? So this is my day. Well, not so fast, you see. I've I... heard of heavenly men, but this is Gabriel in person. Oh, but miss, you misunderstand. Oh, you see, I'm cute. And you're handsome, too. But miss. I am. <laughs> you certainly are. You're right, Frankie. She's a very intelligent girl. <laughs> This is going to be a very pleasant evening. Uh, look, Audrey, don't be over-anxious. This guy ain't the uh, you one... You can go now, Frankie. We won't need you any longer. <laughs> Shall we go into dinner, good-looking? I'll just slip my arm in yours like this and put my head on your shoulder. Hey, wait a minute. Take it easy, baby. Take it easy. I know it's tough, but control yourself. <laughs> Hey, look, baby, you better get your head off my shoulder because I'm not... Oh, Phil, was that Frankie in the... Well. Well. Yeah, ain't they? (laughs) 
What's the meaning hey, now, of this? Nothing, honey, nothing. It's not what you think. Audrey, I want you to meet Mrs. Harris. Hello. How do you do, Mrs. Harris? You know, handsome, you have a fairly young-looking mother. <laughs> mother? Let me at her. Let me at her. Hey, take it easy now, Irish. I'm not take his mother. Easy. I'm not his mother. I happen to be his wife. His wife? Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Harris. I thought he was my day. Yeah, oh. she got a little confused. This is leap year, and she's jumping to conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Audrey, this fella coming in is your date, this fella right here. Hey, Willie. Yes? Willie, come in here. Hey, Willie, uh, I want you to meet Audrey. Hello, William. How do you do, miss? <laughs> this is indeed a pleasure. Shall we uh, go into dinner? Yeah, let's all go in and eat. Uh, may I take your arm, William? Very well, if you insist. <laughs> My, I feel so silly. Hey, Alice. She seems to like Willie pretty well. Yeah, she seemed to like you a lot better. <laughs> well, can you blame her? If you could have an atom bomb, would you settle for a soggy firecracker? <laughs> I did. a swell dinner, Alice. How do you think Willie and Audrey are getting along? Terrible, terrible. He's too darn shy. Oh, I don't know, Phil. I heard him ask her for a date tomorrow. Some date. He asked her if she'd like to go to the museum and see some etchings. <laughs> He's going to take her to the museum to show her etchings? <laughs> oh, what a sneaky approach. <laughs> Where are they now? He's got her in a den showing her card tricks. At the rate he's going, it'll take us 20 years to get them married. Married? Phil, you can't rush these things. It takes time. Not if you know how to handle it. All we got to do is to steer Willie's mind in that direction with a few hints. But you have to be subtle about this. Yeah, well, leave it to Curly and me. We know how to be subtle, huh? Shh, quiet, Frankie. Now, here they come. <laughs> yeah. Now, don't worry, Alice. We'll just drop a few delicate hints. May Audrey and I join you in here? Why, of course. Hey! Don't they make a lovely couple as they walk in together? <laughs> Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to join <laughs> And I now pronounce you man and wife. Congratulations, Willie, and here's two tickets to the Belgian Congo. Your boat sails in an hour. Bon voyage. Don't forget to bon 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 no, wait a minute. Bon wait a minute. Are you people trying to marry me off? Well, we kind of thought that you liked Willie, and he's a good catch, and he's Thank a... you, but I'm not interested. I wouldn't marry this square for all the money in the world. Tonight. <laughs> but, Audrey, what about our date tomorrow? Oh, dear, she walked out on me. Well, no wonder. You're as romantic as a four-way coal tablet. <laughs> I give up, Alice. The guy's hopeless. He talks to a dame like he was a college professor explaining the theory of relativity. Curly, leave me alone with them for a few minutes and I'll straighten them out. Willie, come in the den with me. I'm going to tell you how to talk to women. You've got to have a hep lingo, man. Frankie's been in there talking to William for an hour. I wonder how he's doing. Don't worry about Frankie, honey. You break Willie down and have him acting like a human being. Here they come, Phil. Yeah. Well, Frankie, how'd you do? How'd you make out with Willie? You know, Philip, the theory of relativity is a very interesting thing. <laughs> and now I must toddle along and peruse it further. Frankie! Good night, Philip! 
Phil will be back in just a moment. There's no excuse for dandruff. Right, there's no excuse for dandruff. Almost everyone has dandruff at one time or another, but there's no excuse for dandruff. That's because it can be removed so easily and completely with Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Leading medical authorities say there are two kinds of dandruff. One is loose and flaky. It's the unsightly kind, the kind you can see. The other clings to the scalp. It's the invisible, irritating kind, the kind you can feel. If your present shampoo is doing only half the job, remember Fitch removes both kinds completely. Be free of unsightly dandruff. Be free of invisible, irritating dandruff. Yes, be free of all embarrassing dandruff with Fitch. Fitch is the only shampoo made that's guaranteed to remove dandruff with the first application. And the Fitch guarantee is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. Remember, there's no excuse for dandruff. So switch to Fitch at drug counters, barber, and beauty shops. Ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Willie, why did you have to be so stuffy with Audrey? Don't you know how to be romantic with dames? I was romantic, Philip. When we were in the den, I sat down on the divan right next to her. My shoulder was touching hers, and then the beast in me came out. And I leaned over, and I took her hand in mine. And then what? Is there more? <laughs> Thank you, Errol Flynn. Tune in next week when the F.W. Fitch Company again brings you The Fitch Bandwagon with Alice Fay and Phil Harris. This program was written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet and directed by Paul Phillips. Alice Fay appears through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. The part of Frankie was played by Elliot Lewis. Laugh a while, let a song be a style you spit. Don't despair, use your head, save your hair, you spit. Girls, for softer, shinier hair, use Fitch's new cream shampoo. It's made with both lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin to soften, olive oil for sparkling highlights. Try Fitch cream shampoo. Bill Foreman speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benning speaking. What a mess I made of last week. I don't know what was going on, where my head was at. But anyway, uh, I love it that in my uh, presentation from Jack Benning from the 1937-1938 season, I apologize and explain a mistake I made for the, um, the 1943 season episode. And then I go ahead and put the wrong episode on again. <laughs> so it's like my my explanation of a mistake was another mistake. But anyway, here we have last week's episode. And it's actually kind of timely that I swapped it out because this is tied into Jack's birthday and Valentine's Day and uh, 
we just celebrated that. So, you know, the timing's not too bad. So what I'll do is, because I'm having to split Submarine uh, D1, uh, the, episode, the two-part episode, uh, you're having a break in between. I brought you the first part, now I'm bringing you the um, Robert Taylor appearance uh, in the midst of that, and then, then we'll go to the second part of D1 next week. I'm just going to bring you both D1 episodes back-to-back next week, so you can listen to them in order if you like. Uh, but for tonight's episode, we have actor Robert Taylor making an appearance on the Jack Benny show. Uh, on these early shows, there weren't a lot of uh, guest appearances, so it's always fun to have one. And I didn't realize Robert Taylor uh, started making pictures in 1934. And his very first year out of the box, he was in five different motion pictures. And he would be in three to five pictures pretty much every year from that time all the way up to his death in uh, uh, 1969. Um, I I didn't realize that he had such a consistent career. I mean, there's really no real dead zones in there. He's he's got some places where he's only appearing in like one or two pictures some years. Um, But then even in the 60s, where you would think you'd only be in like one picture, he'll be in you know, five in one year at, at some points in the 60s. So, um, what a unique, uh, prolific, amazing career. Uh, some of the films, of course, that he was in um, early on are uh, Magnificent Obsession, uh, Private Number, The Georgia, the Gorgeous Hussy, um, a Yank at Oxford. I mean, I'm skipping through a lot because he's in just so many films. It's incredible. Um, in the in the 40s, he's in Billy the Kid. He's in Baton. Uh, he's in Undercurrent. He's in The Bride. Uh, Devil's Doorway in the 1950s. Uh, let's see, Ivanhoe. I love Melvin. I don't even know what that picture is. It's interesting. Uh, D-Day, the 6th of June in 1956. He's in that picture. Saddle the Wind. The Hangman. Killers of Kilimanjaro. Um, A House is Not a Home. His last picture, apparently, is Where Angels Go, Trouble Follows in 1968. Um, he died of, uh, cancer in uh, 1969, was diagnosed in 68, died in 69. Anyway, um, just great to have him on the show. Uh, one character I used to do on my intros that I kind of miss compared to all the other characters, because I came up with this character on my own, but this is the character of Book Benny, who is uh, kind of a, a literary figure, I suppose, who's interested in literature and, uh, uh, of course, talks about thespians and, and great acting and so forth. So, uh, being as this episode starred Robert Taylor, I wanted to use Book Benny back when I was using that character to introduce it. So, after this introduction is done, you'll get to hear 
a book many introduction and uh, then we'll get on with the show so hope you enjoy it uh, it was originally when I originally um, presented last time it was presented lower sound quality we'll upgrade the sound quality here so you get a chance to hear it in the best quality I have available and uh, join us next week as we hopefully make fewer mistakes in bringing us the wrong episodes <laughs> anyway uh, enjoy see you next time Oh, and uh, I almost forgot, uh, <laughs> the, the cast has a lot of fun uh, whenever Robert Taylor's on, and uh, his original uh, name he was born with was Spangler Arlington Brew, and uh, of course, that's such a unique name to think that Robert Taylor, uh, I, I don't know who names their kid, Spangler Arlington Brew, but that's what his name was, and... and uh, uh, it's, it's just always fun to hear the cast go off on something like that. And uh, anyway, enjoy the episode. Hello again, this is Bookmany speaking, inviting you to another fine episode of the Jack Benny Show. I know I don't usually come out and introduce the Jack Benny Show, but today it features the wonderful thespian Robert Taylor. In these early years, Jack didn't have too many guest appearances, so it's wonderful to hear actor Robert Taylor come over and spice up the Benny Show just a little bit. It also happens to be the first episode that we'll be having of the Jack Benny Show in which his birthday is mentioned. Uh, Jack's birthday is the 14th, or Valentine's Day, and often gets mentioned on his television shows. This show we're running a little bit ahead of where it would normally be, so we celebrate it now. Please enjoy this fine episode of the Jack Benny Show, and my brother Buck tells me to thank all of you who've donated to the show. Uh, we've noticed that the donations have gone up, and we're now back in the black, so it's wonderful that you're donating. For this month, we're hoping for $30 worth of donations out there. Uh, if you want to donate to the Jack Benny Show, you may do so by using PayPal. And the account you send it to is Buck, B-U-C-K, Benny, B-E-N-N-Y, O-T-R, at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Jack Benny Show. This is Book Benny saying, read a book, will you? Even if it has to be about Jack Benny, read something. We, we'll talk to you next week. Ta-ta. The Jell-O Program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens a program with I've Taken a Fancy to You from an old Chicago. <laughs> With all its different holidays, February is certainly a party month, and tomorrow is St. Valentine's Day, a swell excuse to give the family something special for dessert. And for that something special, give them Jell-O, molded in gay, fancy shapes. For Jell-O goes with a party spirit every time. First, because it's so festive looking with clear, bright colors that dress up any meal. And second, because it's so luscious tasting, with delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor that puts everybody in a cheerful mood. But there's still another reason why Jell-O is tops for parties. 
It's quick setting, easy to prepare, you can't go wrong. Just be sure to get genuine Jell-O when you buy, for there is only one Jell-O, and only Jell-O brings you that extra-rich fruit flavor. Look for the big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. Uh, I've Taken a Fancy to You, played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you America's latest fashion plate, that Bob Brummel of Beverly Hills, Jack Benny. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello again. This is Jack Benny talking. And say, Don, thanks for that nice buildup you just gave me. My goodness, what's come over you? Well, uh, Jack, I read in the paper just the other day that the tailors of America... Selected you as one of the ten best-dressed men in the country. Oh, they did? Well, I didn't know that. Are you sure, Don? Oh, yes, certainly. It was quite a story. Sure, I read it, too. It was in all the papers. It was, Phil? Gee, I'd like to see it. Have you got a clipping of it? Yes, and so have you. (laughs) Well, all right, fellas. I was just trying to be modest, that's all. But it's true. I was selected as one of the ten best-dressed men in the country. Uh, I came in second. Oh, uh, who was first? Uh, Clark Gable. You know, Don, politics. (laughs) The only way I can figure it. Now, wait a minute, Jack. Wait a minute. Gable looks marvelous in clothes. In the first place, he's much thinner than you are. Oh, no, he's not, Don. We're exactly the same weight. Only mine is distributed a little differently. (laughs) But we have about the same physique. Go on. If Gable was standing in a barrel, he'd have a better figure than you have. Well, first place, he never stands in a barrel. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I know what's the matter with you, Phil. You're just jealous because you weren't on the list. I'm not jealous. I just can't understand it, that's all. Oh. I dress as well as you do. Mm-hmm. Probably Weller. <laughs> Weller? Now, you can do gooder than that. <laughs> you dress as well as I do. Look at that coat you've got on right now. What's the matter with it? What's the matter with it? Looks like a combination salad with patched pockets. (laughs) Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks, Mary. I wish you'd have been here a minute ago, though. Phil can't understand why the tailors of America picked me as one of the best-dressed men. Well, I can. Certainly. Half of your relatives are pants pressers. (laughs) That's so? You're just making that up. Say, Mary, take a peek at Phil and get a load of that coat he's wearing. Isn't that corny? (laughs) Oh, it's, it's a corny one, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's not half as loud as the one I saw you wearing yesterday. Well, that's different, Mary. That happens to be my polo coat. Polo coat? What do you do, ride on a zebra? It'll make you any happier, yes. But you know what kills me from the attitude of this gang? You think I never knew anything about style. Let me tell you something, fellas. I'm coming out with a new suit in about three weeks that'll knock your eye out. And I don't want you to copy it either, Phil. What kind of a suit is it? Well, it's a double-breasted English drape model with a new zipper vest. Oh, it's the last word in suits. Hey, that sounds pretty good, Jack. What color is it? Well, it's a sort of a fudge brown. (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. A fudge brown? Yes. Is it plain or with nuts? (laughs) Plain. 
And I'm going to look swell in it, too. It fits so snug, it has a 32-inch waistline. What are you going to do with your stomach? <laughs> well, naturally, Phil, when I tighten my belt, my stomach will go up to where my chest is. Then what are you going to do with your chest? Well, I'm not going to have my girl's name tattooed on it like you have. <laughs> you would if you didn't have Hooray for Waukegan there. Well, what if I have? Now, look, fellas, let's drop all this talk about clothes. Just because I get a little recognition once in a while, everybody here has to turn green with envy. Now, let's change the subject. Oh, hello, Kenny. Hello, Jack. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks, Kenny, but I've heard enough about my clothes, so forget it. I'm talking about your birthday. My birthday? Oh, yes, tomorrow is my birthday. February the 14th. I forgot all about it. Well, congratulations, fella. Happy, happy birthday, man. Well, sure, thanks, fella. Yes, sir, I was a little valentine. Gee, funny how it slipped my mind. Well, it didn't slip mine. I brought a cake for you, Jack. Wait till I get it. A cake? Well, that was thoughtful, Kenny. Here you are, Jack. Well, thanks. Say, that is a beautiful cake. It has such nice decoration. Yeah, I hope I guessed right. I put 50 candles on it. <laughs> 50 candles? Oh, I got more in my pocket. <laughs> oh, you have, huh? Well, keep them in your pocket. All right, but I better blow them out. Hmm, 50 candles. I'm not 50 years old. I'm not 45. I'm not even 40. Hurry up, Jack. You'll be late for school. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Mary. You haven't worn rompers for some time either, you know. <laughs> On the level, Jack, is tomorrow really your birthday? Yes, Don, it is. Well, well. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you're planning to celebrate Jack's birthday tomorrow by having a little party, top it off with tempting, delicious jello. It is economical and easy to make and has that extra rich fruit flavor. Well, thanks, Don. That was a lovely gesture. Mm. And now, folks, Phil Harris will... Wait a minute. Come in. Telegram for Jack Benny. Right here, boys. Thanks. Oh, wait a minute. Here's a tip for you. Say, this must be your birthday. <laughs> Who's the wire from, Mary? Uh, just a second, Jack. Oh, Jack, it's from your father. My father? What does he say? He says, uh, Dear son, congratulations on your 25th birthday. I couldn't afford a telegram then. A <laughs> oh, good old dad. He never forgets a face. Play, Phil.
education played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Wait a minute, Jack. That number was played by Phil Harris in the orchestra. Why don't you mention the conductor? Well, they know it wasn't Toscanini. <laughs> anyway, Phil, you have a distinctive style of playing. You couldn't be confused with any other band. I couldn't, eh? No. You have the only orchestra in the world where the drums carry the melody. <laughs> <laughs> and now, folks... Jack, uh, now that Kenny gave you a cake, are you going to throw a little party tonight? Well, I would, Don, but I have to rehearse tonight with my leading lady for my new Paramount picture. I'm going over to Francisca Gall's house. Oh, are we? No, no, Phil, you're not going this time. And say, Mary, I wish you'd run through my lines with me, will you, before I go over there? I'd like to brush up on my part. Okay, Jack. Now, here's the script. Uh, you read Francisca's part, and I'll read mine. Here you are. Your name is Julia... And I'm Andre. Andre? Yes, yes. All right, Mary, let's go. You don't mind if we go through this, do you, fellas? No, go right ahead, Andre. <laughs> All right, Mary. Now, the door opens, see, and I walk in. You're sitting there, and I walk uh -huh. in. Ah, <clears throat> uh, good evening, Julia. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. <laughs> uh, come on, Mary, I'm trying to rehearse. Ah, uh, good evening, Julia. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. Oh, Andre, my love, I'm so glad to see you. See you. Now stop kidding, Mary, and help me with this. Well, darling, I've come for the last time to ask you to marry me. You've toyed with my affections long enough. There's a limit to my patience, Julia. You know our bargain when I saved your father from ruin? Well, the time has come. And whether you love me or not, you're stuck with me. <laughs> well, what are you laughing at? Paramount. They're stuck, too. <laughs> Oh, Mary, I can't rehearse with you. You're not giving me anything. You're not putting any feeling into it. He's right, Miss Livingston. When Andre comes through the door, you should be a little more emotional. Oh, go away. <laughs> uh, come on, Mary, let's try it again. Now... Look, Jack, look. What? It's Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor? <laughs> Why, Bob, I didn't know you were standing there watching us. Where'd you drop in from? Well, I was sitting out front watching your show, and you seemed to be having a little trouble with that scene, so I thought I'd come up and offer a suggestion or two. Well, it's awfully nice of you, Bob. I'm, I'm always glad to see a kibitzer. <laughs> but really, I don't need help. <laughs> Might be too late at that. Oh. You're sharp there. Now, look, Jack, the reason Miss Livingston did not respond properly was because you were not convincing as a lover. Well. <laughs> How do you like that for crust? <laughs> what do you think I was doing up here, knitting a doily? <laughs> no, look, Jack, all I'm trying to tell you is that your scene lacked sincerity. In other words, what you said was not believable. Oh, it was not believable. Well, next time I'll take an oath before I read my <laughs> Believable. You better take a lifesaver, too. You've been eating onions. I have not. Well, Jack, I'm sorry I intruded, so I'll just run along. No, no, home. Bob, no. I'm glad you came up. Say, I'm always open for suggestions, even if I don't need them. You know, Bob, I've been an actor for a good many years. I appreciate that. And furthermore, if you read the papers, and I think you do... Uh, you may have come across an article this week stating that I am one of the ten best-dressed men in the country. Yes, I saw that, Jack. Yeah. Uh, say, do you mind if I tell you something? No, no, go right ahead. 
Well, Jack, take that suit you're wearing right now. Yes. Listen, I gave a better one than that to my gardener, and he refused it. Well, if my gardener ever did a thing like that, I'd hit him right over the head with a petunia. <laughs> well, Bob, so much for the ribbing, anyway. To tell you the truth, I'm really glad you came up. Now that you're here, I want you to meet the members of my cast. It's about time. Yeah. Bob, uh, this is Mary Livingston. Hello, Mary. I'm delighted to meet you. Well, uh, uh, thanks, Mr. Taylor. I, I mean, Robert. I mean, Bob. Mary, you don't have to be so nervous. Well, gee whiz. <laughs> You know, Mary, I must say you've handed me a lot of laughs, and I think you're just as charming in person as you are on the radio. Well, thanks, and, well, I think you're just as charming as I am. <laughs> oh, don't, don't mind her, Bob. She's so excited, you know. And now I want you to meet... Uh, wait a minute, Jack. Uh, oh, Mr. Taylor. Yes, what is it, Mary? Well, uh, if a certain person asks me to go out tonight, I won't think you're a bit fresh. <laughs> Oh, all right. Uh, and, Bob, I'd like to have you meet our young tenor, Kenny Baker. How are you, Kenny? I'm glad to know you. See, if I'd have known you were coming, I'd have baked another cake. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Kenny. You know, Mr. Taylor, uh, I'm in pictures, too. Yes, I know you are, Kenny. I've seen you in a lot of them, and I think you're doing a swell job. Yes, sir. You better watch out for me. I'm dynamite. <laughs> Oh, don't show off. Uh, and Bob, uh, this is our announcer, Don Wilson. Hello, Don. Glad to see you. Well, how are you, Bob? You know, I was just thinking of you this morning when I was drinking a cup of Maxwell House coffee. You were? Well, now that's a coincidence because I was thinking of you last night over a dish of Jello. <laughs> well, that's the best we could do with that, folks. And, Bob, uh, this is our orchestra leader. Oh, I know, Phil. Hiya, Philzy boy. It's good to see you again. Hiya, Bobby. Did we have fun the other night or not? Yes, sir. And, by the way, Phil, thanks for getting me that date. It was mighty nice of you. What? Phil got you a date? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> well, of all things. Say, I hope it wasn't the girl he got for me, Dolores Del Schmutz. <laughs> no, this was her sister. They call her Sugar. Oh, sugar, Del Schmutz. Wow. Well, Bob, now that you've met my cast and the Del Schmutzes, I want to tell you that I saw the preview of your new picture the other night, A Yank at Oxford, and I thought it was one of the best things you've ever done. Thank you, Jack. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, by the way, Bob, what was the first big picture you ever made? You know, the one that, that you think started you off with a bang. Well, Jack, about three years ago, I made a picture called Broadway Melody of 1936 with Eleanor Powell, Una Merkel, Sid Silvers, Buddy Epson, and June Knight. Oh, yes, I saw that. It was very good, too. I Say, wait a minute. I was in that picture. <laughs> hmm. Why, certainly. You were, Jack? Yes, I was. I played a... Mary, you saw Broadway Melody. What was I in it? Miss Cass. <laughs> no, I mean the character. Oh, I remember, Bob. I was the Broadway columnist. You punched on the jaw three times. Oh, yes, I remember. Hey, that was fun, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> I'll say it was fun. Fred Allen saw the picture eight times. <laughs> well, that's what you call fun, huh? Oh, what if I did punch you on the jaw? I didn't hit you so hard. Not much. Listen, Bob, that was three years ago. And I've got a swivel tooth that's still whirling around. <laughs> but at that, Bob, I hope we do make another picture together. Maybe I can kick you around next time. Huh? Well, you never can tell. 
Well, Jack, I think I'll run along now. I don't want to take up any more of your now, time. Now, wait and... a minute, Bob. Wait a minute. You offered to help me out in my little dramatic scene here, and I'm going to hold you to it. You don't mind, do you, Bob? No, not at all. I didn't ask you, Mary. <laughs> not at all. Do you mind, Bob? <laughs> no, Jack. I'll be glad to. Okay, we'll do it right after Kenny sings a song. Go ahead, Kenny. Wait a minute. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? Is Robert Taylor really on your program tonight? Yes, he is. Then you won't need me. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, that guy, he drives me crazy. Say, what does he want, anyway? A toupee, but I'm not going to buy him one. <laughs> You take the reins, will you? You're a master of ceremonies, too, now, you know. Go ahead. All right. That was New Moon from Radio City Rebels, sung by Kenny Baker. And, Kenny, I want to tell you it was swell. It was perfectly thrilling. Thanks, Mr. Taylor. You know, I wish Jack would say things like that once in a while. 
Why, Kenny, what are you talking about? I've said those very words to you every Sunday this year. Well, I'm getting sick of it. <laughs> oh, you don't know what you want. Say, Bob, how about helping me out with that little love scene now? You know, the... Okay, Jack. You and Mary run over those lines again, and I'll kind of give it the once-over. Fine. Come on, Mary. Why don't you let me do it with Mr. Taylor and you watch? Mary, Barbara's listening in. You know, she's listening. <laughs> Look, at anyway, I'm the one who needs rehearsing. That's why I don't want to do it with you. Well, it wouldn't hurt you to help me out. Now, come on, here's the script. We'll take it from the same entrance. Now, remember, Jack, put a little fire into it. Okay, Bob, I gotcha. <laughs> all right, Mary, I'm coming through the door again. Uh, 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 good evening, Julia. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. Oh, Andre, my love. Andre, where's Amos? Phil. <laughs> I've come for the last time, Julia, to ask you to marry me. You toyed with my affections long enough. Remember our bargain, Julia, when I saved your father from ruin? Well, the time has come. And whether you love me or not, you're stuck with me. Now, what do you say? I'll go back to Waukegan. Walk, there you are, Bob. What's the use of me trying to do anything? Well, will you let me try it with Mary Jack? Maybe I can get better results. I know I will. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> No, I wouldn't. Now, uh, now, look, Mary. When you and I play this scene, just sit back and relax. Yes, Bob. Imagine that we're in a world of our own, drifting on a cloud. Yes, Bob. Yes, Bob. Yes, Bob. <laughs> yes, Bob. Come on, you two. Show me what you can do. Quiet. I'm drifting. Oh, you're drifting, eh? I am, too. <laughs> Kenny! All right, Mary, I'm coming through the door now. <clears throat> ah, good evening, Julia. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. Oh, Andre, my love, kiss me. I don't remember that line being in there. <laughs> I've come for the last time, Julia, to ask you to marry me. Kiss me, Andre. You've toyed with my affections long enough. Kiss me, Andre, kiss me. Don't keep saying that. <laughs> kiss me, Andre, it's not in there. Well, the time has come, and whether you love me or not, you're stuck with me. Then kiss me, Andre. Kiss me. My darling. Mary! 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 Cut! 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 the one that's going to play it. It's a fine scene. All right, all right, Mary. You were finally kissed by Robert Taylor. Now, what have you got to say? He can go back to Waukegan, too. <laughs> Why, Mary. Mary, didn't you enjoy it? No, but let's do it again. Oh, I thought so. Well, Bob, no kidding. I think I did learn something from watching you play that scene with Mary. You gave me a, a couple of good pointers there. You know? Well, I hope I didn't embarrass you or anything, Jack. Oh, no, Bob. <laughs> oh, and I'm very grateful. After all, you're an actor and I'm a comedian. I, uh, an alleged comedian, anyway. <laughs> my only serious moment... <laughs> my only... 
My only serious moments are spent with my violin. I think I've got you stopped there. Oh, I don't know about that, Jack. You know, I'm somewhat of a musician myself. I play a pretty mean cello. A cello? Oh, I didn't know that. Isn't that a coincidence? You play the cello, and I play the violin. Uh, guess what they're going to do now, folks. <laughs> Mary. Well, Bob, we can borrow a cello and a violin from the boys in the orchestra. Now, how about you and I swinging out on a nice hot tune? Fine. You know Mighty Like a Rose? Oh, that's a sizzler. <laughs> Say, uh, Phil, uh, let us have a violin and a cello, will you? Not without a deposit. <laughs> now, we're not going to leave the room. Okay, here you are, boys. All right. Oh, Don, uh, Don, introduce this number, will you? Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we now bring you Jack and Bob, those rhythm rascals... <laughs> who will give you their interpretation of Mighty Lack of Rolls. Are you going to start? I'll start. <laughs> Just play it, Jack. <laughs> oh, by the way, Bob, you were in Europe this summer, weren't you? Yes, I was, Jack. Well, tell me, how did you find London? I asked a policeman. Bob? Yes, Jack? What goes around a button? A goat. You guessed it the first time! <laughs> forty, boys, forty. <laughs> Give it everything, Bob. Played by Robert Taylor and Jack Benny. Thanks, Don. And now, folks, is another Play, part. Phil. Play. Oh. Play. If you want some new and delicious dessert ideas, just take a look at a package of Jell-O chocolate pudding. You'll find some grand suggestions. For instance, uh, you can add toasted nut meats to your chocolate pudding or half a cup of raisins or crispy shredded coconut. And we've had lots of letters from women who tell us that Jell-O chocolate pudding makes the most delicious filling for chocolate cream pie they ever tasted. But no matter how you serve it, in a recipe variation or just as is, Jell-O chocolate pudding is a dessert the whole family will love. It's creamy, rich, and smooth and tastes like the old-fashioned homemade kind, for it's made with the same fine, wholesome ingredients. That's why it tastes homemade, so chocolatey and delicious. Jell-O chocolate pudding is quick and easy to prepare. You'll uh, find the simple directions on every package. 
It sells for the same low price as Jell-O, so ask your grocer tomorrow for Jell-O chocolate pudding. Well, we're a little late, Bob, but I'll see you next Thursday night on your Maxwell House program. Thanks for coming over. Good night, folks. Eddie Baker appears on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Mervyn Leroy. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs>